Dennis Hextat, welcome to the show. How are you, man? I'm excellent, man. How are you, Daniel? Yeah, very well myself. Um, what's happening in the life of Dennis Hextat? I know you've been through a couple of things now. I want to touch upon a few things, but I'll see what you feel like sharing, feel like mentioning. What's happening in your life right now? Um, so it's been, uh, it's been good learning a lot of stuff, kind of diving into a lot of new stuff and trying to expand on things that I have been going deeper on. And so like I spent three years building a Shopify app that we sold. It's been just over a year and some change since we sold that business. Uh, and that was a, a bigger business, you know, multiple call it seven figures in annual recurring revenue. Whereas, uh, since then I took a little time off, uh, maybe six months kind of exploring some stuff. And then I, I landed back in Shopify and, and SaaS. Um, and so I, I ended up buying another Shopify app um, at the end of October, early November uh, called Order Bump, which does uh, in checkout and post-purchase upsells for, for Shopify merchants. And since, since then I, you know, I've spent some time growing the business and building on the product a little bit. Uh, and now um in the process of closing on selling that business as well. Oh, that's lovely. So you got it, you bought it, you said in October last year? Yeah. So a couple of months and you're selling it already. Yeah. That's good. Okay. What made you say, uh, what made you get back into the Shopify ecosystem or in the building ecosystem, I guess, or back to running a business? What made you, it's a bit of a cliche question, but it never gets old and it shows uh, the person's psyche or what's going on for your mind. What made you just not say, you know what, I'll just go live my life. I'm not back to building a business or buying and running one anymore? I don't know. I think uh, I've never, when people are like, oh, what do you, what's your thing in business? I'm like, I think it's just like the creating and business in general. I could, it doesn't matter if it's like Shopify SaaS or running an e-commerce business or or starting some real estate, potentially some real estate thing or, or something else. Like, I just think, you know, creating stuff is fun. And for me, I, I tried to wait for this like, new inspirational magical idea to come after selling my company and thinking that it would come with so much free time and and nothing really did and so uh i just figured why would i not just jump right back into the space where i've sort of feel like i understand how the ecosystem works i have a little bit of a head start in terms of built a business in the space sold a business in the space kind of understand how to how the sale process went, went went about so then i could apply that myself a little bit when I went and bought another business. And so mm -hmm. uh, I almost like by selling a business, I learned how to go buy a business. And then it was more, you know, the app that I bought, sure, I could have probably, you know, built it for, call, you call it less than $25,000, right? Um, and I ended up buying it for about half a million dollars. So, but why, right? Because well, the revenue was already there, customers uh, and so for me i was comparing it to other opportunities like real estate and starting something fresh and i'm like you know what i want to try to buy something grow it and then sell it uh, and see because that's essentially like what private equity is and what investors do sometimes sometimes but most of those people aren't operating the business right so i was <clears throat> i'm buying the business and operating the business myself uh in terms of, and also putting people in place so i think that you know i'm kind of betting on myself and putting my money where my mouth is in that regard and uh yeah I just think that that's for now it's until I find some magical idea and, and I'm not personally like <clears throat> trying to, you know, run to abandon my career to go to do web three crypto stuff, even though there's like, I have a lot of FOMO and all the money being made there, but <laughs> I'm okay with being boring and sticking to what I know for now. I'll get back to just what you said. Now you like being boring. Cause I think that's super important and it's a skill I see in people, but I'll get back to it in a second. 
I've myself have bought a business as well and I've I've seen the unlock when it comes to I've never sold anything but if I do I've seen that experience and it is it is eye opening. Um I want to talk to you for a second about the what's it feel like? So you've sold your company. You I'm not asking you about how that how does that feel like? Uh you sold your company. You didn't have any obligation per se. You were probably financially you had financial freedom and other types of freedom. What's it feel like the moment before you make the decision to get back into the game what's that inspiration like because some people compare entrepreneurship or whatever you want to call this to art and i have heard people and i say that myself as well i feel or i don't feel inspired could you talk a bit more about what's what's going on inside your body when you say i'll be going for that or a bit before that that moment i think well what you just said is kind of I think that's how I've been feeling lately too and but it's not to say that I maybe I'm just too busy as a person and I don't like sitting still that much right like you know we sold our company for a lot of money it, was it is it enough money for me to go like sit on the beach for the rest of my life maybe if I don't want to like travel and have nice things and own homes and stuff right but I want to do more so for me it's like perfect now I have enough to not really worry about money which means work on the things that you want which you expect to be like now you have an unlimited optionality to go do whatever you want but nothing has come since then right so i think that's kind of humbling it's not like your life just changes because you hit a goal you just set a new goal and so i think i have kind of felt personally a little uninspired but that doesn't mean i'm not going to go do things that i know that i'm good at or that i still enjoy right i still enjoy doing the shopify stuff if i wasn't inspired if i wasn't enjoying it i would just put all my money all of the money in the stock market and just like let Amazon and Shopify and Cloudflare and all these other nice stocks make me money, which, you know, you still participate in those things, but I have direct influence over a mm -hmm. Shopify app that I buy. And because I spent so much time in the ecosystem, having an audience on Twitter and, and other places does, doesn't hurt where I can kind of get some free, you know, conversation and product feedback, merchant installs, um, all that stuff by buying a business in that niche. So I've kind of in some way, kind of, I don't want to say personal brand because it makes me kind of want to throw up in my mouth a little bit, <laughs> but like a little bit of my Twitter and persona, yeah. personal brand online. To, online to, presence, to, call it that. Is, is online presence is is kind of catered around Shopify and, and Shopify mm -hmm. apps and e-commerce. And so um, I think it just makes sense for me to lean into it. But to your, to your point, I, I haven't felt super inspired yet. So I wasn't like, I'm so inspired to go buy an app. I was like, you know what? The people who bought my business are probably going to make money when they buy, grow and sell it. Maybe I can do it too on a small scale. Um, so let me see if I can do it. And so far, so good. <laughs> That's nice. I want to ask you more about this lack of inspiration because you strike me. I've only seen you on Twitter and we've interacted a couple of times. We even had a few conversations in, in the DM. You strike me as a person who's straightforward. And I've seen you having not even beef, but like disagreements publicly. And you're not afraid to speak your mind. So it is a breath of fresh air too. In a world where everybody everybody's uh, on their hustle porn although that's not cool anymore nobody not too many people are talking that much about you know what i don't feel inspired so uh that's empowering um have you ever looked for inspiration or is it just you think like you have an internal sensor you look within you say i am or i'm not or what have you learned in your lack of inspiration although it sounds bad but it doesn't feel bad i'm going through yeah. this as well that's why i'm asking Sure. Well, so I think like I'm definitely inspired by a lot of things, but just not like things that I necessarily want to build a business around every single time I, you know, mm -hmm. experience it or feel inspired by something. Right. Like um, 
lately I've been inspired by the idea of going and buying some, some land and building like a little small cabin on it and using that as a place to just go relax without the internet and, or potentially just have it as a family place or friends place. Right. But like, that's not a business venture, but it's still something that I'm inspired by. And I've still like tinkered with say a lot of the web three tools and crypto and been involved with crypto for maybe 10 years, but web three and NFTs, I'm like, oh, there are some cool things here. A lot of it is very uninspiring and almost annoying. And there are some things that are pretty cool and that could be inspiring to do, but it's not like I'm going to go jump in and change my career because of a, a shiny object. There's still things that I feel like I haven't done that I want to do in the Shopify ecosystem, for example, right? Mm -hmm. The business we sold while we did a great job, I think like we could have built a five times larger business. And if I can go buy businesses and hopefully, you know, grow all of them in a portfolio and maybe sell that, I think that there's just a lot of opportunity and I'm, uh, I don't know, I feel like I'm like a sophomore or maybe a junior now. And I still have a little bit more to go until I graduate from Shopify. It's like your second album, third album. If exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like the first time, did you just get lucky and some skill? The second time, it's like, all right, maybe you do know what you're doing. The third time, it's like, all right, undoubtedly, you know what you're doing. So this is your, uh, what's Kanye's second album? Late registration? Something like that? <laughs> Kanye, maybe. Yeah. Um, I have a question still on this on this topic of inspiration, and then we'll move on because th this isn't necessarily the only topic here to be discussed. Sure. Do you feel like, let's call it this when you're making your first business or for some other people it's like a highly paid job, let's call it level one, where you take care of your financials and your basic needs and et cetera. Do you ever feel, I'm thinking for you, it was um, not live recover. I know before you, you had your own Shopify store and you also worked as a consultant for Fashion Nova and et cetera. Anyway, I'll just call it level one. You understand what I'm touching on. Yeah. Do you feel like you can ever be as inspired at level two or three as you were at level one? Because some people make this thing, do this thing where they look for the same kind of fire, but I'm curious to know what you think about. Is it the same fire? Is it a different fire? How does it work? Or how was it? I think you? at the beginning, the sort of level one is your inspiration is 100% money. And that's because maybe you don't have any, right? And that's what you, and you need money to survive. So unless you come from a wealthy family and you just have everything taken care of, I think that's actually a disadvantage. Like you don't have any reason to be inspired and want to make money when you just already have a lot, even if you've never done anything, right? So if, if you have none, then you kind of have to, by nature, you have to make money. And so at the beginning, even myself, there might be things that you did at the beginning in level one that you wouldn't do now, right? I'm not saying they're like illegal or, or, not so ethical, but just selling products that you don't know if the quality is as good as it should be, or maybe not doing as much diligence around like, if you're referring, if you're an affiliate and you're sending, you know, I don't know, it could be any type of services or digital products that you sell or e-product, e, you know, e-products, it doesn't matter. But, you know, back then level one, you're just focused on, okay, can I make enough? And once you do, then you sort of think differently. You're like, okay, maybe now, you want to be a little bit more proud of the work that you do, or you want to think a little bit bigger. You don't want to like be referring business to other people. You want to own the business. You're thinking more as like, not just an employee, but maybe a, a business owner or a, a, an entrepreneur. Uh, Cause everybody has to learn somewhere. Right. I mean, not, not that you have to learn from your employer, but I think that like, if you don't have any money, you have to work and get a job. Right. So I, I definitely, my first thing was Twitter accounts. Like we were making meme accounts and we were posting ads for ad networks and making like 10 cents a click. And then we were like, Oh my God, I can make 50 bucks a day. But that wasn't enough to live. And I was in Los Angeles. So I had to work a, 
you know, 15 hour a job hour, you know, $15 an hour job at a startup, also learning how to make 50 bucks a day on these accounts. And then it got to the point of making 500 a day within like a year. And I'm like, oh shit, I don't need a job. I can just do this. But at the same time, it's like, maybe I was posting a little bit more clickbaity links and being a little bit dishonest about some of the language in my ads, right? But I didn't care. I'm like, fuck this. I'm 22 years old. I'm making 500 bucks <laughs> a day. I'm getting paid weekly. The advertisers aren't complaining. But what, you know, the other people, the platform is making money. This is awesome. And then of course that only lasted for like eight months. <laughs> and then, then I had to learn how to go from being an, an affiliate of the platform. Then I'm like, I, the platform's gone. I had to build my own platform. So then I, you know, we built an influencer platform. And then it was thinking more of like, not just, I, then I had to be responsible for affiliates, right? So then at that point, I had to be a little bit more compliant, ethical, do reporting, provide audits to the advertisers. And I'm like, oh crap, okay. This is where you have to be like on point. And then from there, you know, that business ended up shutting down a little too early. But I think from there, it was kind of like seeing things differently from, okay, how do I just make enough money to be excited, to like have a nice apartment, to have like, you know, lease a nice car, you know, or an entry level car or whatever. Uh, and then not really worry about food costs and get coffee every day and whatever. And then cool. It's not like you're balling out, but you're living good for your age, right? Or, or for anyone. And then after that, you're thinking, how do I make more? So I think it's just a natural progression sometimes if you have that sort of, I guess, ambition, not everybody wants to take on that risk, right? There's definitely days where we lost tons of money because of advertisers not paying us or, you know, people shutting down their business and disappearing or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of stresses that come from kind of evolving from just the level one or someone who's relying on another system to bring their income versus becoming the system. And so, uh, you know, but I think that that's something that for me, I've always wanted to like, once I start running a 5k, I want to run a 10k and I'm doing half marathons. And then it's like training for a marathon. Like, why do you do it? I don't know. Why, why do you keep extending the distance? You just wanted to do a 5k at the beginning. Um, same but, but kind of thing, I think. Where were you ever, when you were living up, when you were changing between levels, were you ever taking a step back and thinking, uh, do you know what? It's like, what what I've done so far, doesn't look like it's going to help me here. So maybe if I work in the same way, but I don't have that fire under my ass of meeting the basic needs, although it's the fire to meet other needs, I have to change something. Have you ever been through this? Has it ever been your experience? No, I don't think so. Mm. I think like, I think I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just someone that wants more. <laughs> when someone, I had a friend who asked me, they're like, how much money do you like want to make? And I just said more. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't have like a specific goal. It's just more. I'm, I'm uh, touching upon something else. So with the ambition, we're not talking about non-ambitious people here because I, sure. I can see your ambition. I mean, not really in your eyes because this is Zoom, but whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so as you go to another level where... Let's say at in the first levels you were working day and night and you know hustling in the in the real sense of the word because you had nothing to lose as you said you were working a fifteen dollars an hour job at a startup etc cetera, etc cetera. then you made some money which allowed you to uh, live a better life but now I'm asking you has it ever been your experience that you told yourself if I work in the same way that I worked in the, initially. But I don't have that nothing to lose mentality because, as you said, now you're responsible for the affiliates, let's say, and that was in your case. Did you have to change something about the way you worked or has it always been the same? Um, I mean, I think it's always been the same from from what I can recall. I mean, mm -hmm. I've never 
or I've just not noticed what I've changed right at the beginning. But I guess at the beginning, you're thinking just about yourself. You're looking at instant returns, right? I mean, that takes, call it from that platform, which was called Exposely to, to doing live recover. Exposely was a marketplace. I had to manage affiliates and advertisers. Mm-hmm. Whereas with SAT and like, you're making, you know, a lot of money kind of fast on campaigns and volume. And it's different than something like SaaS where you're spending three years to get to like a, a, a good point, right? You're going all in for three years to finally, because no, no SaaS businesses just go, unless you're like raise a ton of money and you have a product that's like financially like pipe or something like, yeah, you can grow in a year to being like a billion dollar business or something. But most people are not getting to tens of millions in ARR bootstrapped in a few years. It takes, it takes time. And so I think starting to see that mentality from like making money quickly versus investing into a Mm long-term business that I could sell. That was a big maturity change for me because I always did e-commerce or these influencer campaigns and, and affiliate stuff where I could make money fast. Whereas with SaaS, it took, we spent a year before we even really paid ourselves a dollar, right? Which was a big investment uh, and different like shift in mindset. Cause we just wanted to reinvest the money into the business to grow the business, not to like put money in our pockets. That makes sense. I'd love to talk to you about your relationship with money. Um, I mean, from a business person's point of view, not from a personal point of view, but although a bit as well. So I want to touch upon a couple of things you've mentioned. So uh, money, um, lifestyle design, I mentioned this and I've noted here down my paper where you talked about instant returns earlier on and then three years for SaaS, etc. Uh, is it okay if we talk about money from that point of view? Sure. You've, you've spent some money and I appreciate that you're not afraid to hide it because you're not making a business out of showing what you're spending on, but it is, I can see it comes from a, from a calm point of view. You're not like, uh, bragging or humble bragging on Twitter, but then again, you're you're not hiding it either, which I think is, it's, it's your deal. It's not, it's not done in a, in a malevolent way or anything like that. Um, let me start with this. What have you learned as you were paying yourself more across the years and across the business? Because it's all just one uh, one long streak. They're all connected one way or another. All the businesses you've you've made and sold as well. Sure. What have you learned along the years? Um, I think now, since I grew up without my parents' divorce kind of early, I didn't have a ton of money. And not that I really strive to have tons of money per se, but like something wrong with having more money. Uh, especially if you enjoy what you do and you're doing it in a way that's helping people and not hurting anybody. Um, but, you know, we, I never really made more than 150K a year, right? In terms of paying myself a salary. So even if our business is doing millions in a year, we're still only making 150K at the most, right? In terms of, sure, there are some distributions taken. I'm not going to like say how much, but um, so I think like, yeah, after that, like your life doesn't really change unless you just want to make big purchases outside of, I think after you make like 120, 150K a year, I mean, you can kind of do what you want outside of maybe buy like a mega house or like a expensive car, but you can lease a really nice car and rent a really nice place and eat out all the time. And so I think after going from like paying ourselves that salary to then selling the business and getting a big lump sum, I thought it was going to change my life and I'd feel completely different. Um, and I felt the same, <laughs> which I think is nice. Cause then I'm like, Oh, wow. At the end of the day, like if you look at your bank account and you see like $5,000 in it, 
or say you see 50,000 or you see 5 million, as long as your like needs are taken care of, which, you know, might be say your cost of living overall is less than like eight grand a month all in, um, then you don't really even ever use that money. It's just numbers on a screen. So then like, unless you're putting it to use, you're investing, you're trying to grow it. You're, you're learning how to kind of like not create some wealth, but like manage and sustain it. I think it's just, it's a freeing like position to be in. Um, but then you don't really have like, I'm not as close, I guess, to my money now. Like I feel like a little bit of a weird relationship where I'm like, just passively making investments. And I'm like, Oh, 5k here, 20k here, this, this, and this. And I'm like, Oh, it's just numbers on a screen because I have more. And I'm like, Oh, I need to maybe be a little bit more disciplined or maybe, maybe this is what you're supposed to do. I mean, you know, that's why you have advisors and like wealth managers and, you know, people like that. But uh, yeah, it's been, it's been good. I mean, it's just a tool. Right. So I think I didn't, nothing really has drastically changed. I, I bought you know, the car I've wanted for like 15 years and I bought a nice watch and paid a little bit more down on my mortgage. I got a good interest rate, so there's no reason to pay all of it down at once. And yeah, just kind of being responsible. Is it when you say money, because that's been my experience as well. Um, obviously, I'm not swimming in money or anything, but for certain things, it looked like when you said numbers on the screen, it's kind of like the money you have in video games if you used to play them when you were younger. Yeah, of where... course. I played Counter-Strike competitively as a kid. So Oh, there yeah. you go. There you go. So it's like, you know, it has more of an impact because it's real life, of course, but you're like, well, this, this is, this is it. Like it's spent there and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point about not, not having too much change, I think it was Jim Carrey who said something along the lines of, I wish everybody would be rich and famous for a bit at least so they can see it changes literally nothing about who you are or, or what you're doing. And that's not where happiness is. Yeah, uh, true. You made me think of that when, when, when you said those things. Okay. Um, what is something they don't tell, although you already answered this, so if there's no other answer, I can accept it. What is something they don't tell you about, um, making more as a business or as a business owner, I should say, um, in your career, what is it that they don't tell you? I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily about as much like say making more, but I think this kind of ties back to both of your, or a few of your other questions about like hitting your goals a little early or quicker than expected. And inspiration like when you hit your goals early and you have to like reassess sort of where you are and who you are and like what your next goal is that's a very weird feeling so like hmm. in my head i've i posted this on instagram and it's not like a depressing or sad it's more of like re refreshing to me and like inspiring but like kind of like a fresh slate i was like i used to always dream about being this specific person and then I became that person and now I don't know who I am and I don't know who I want to be. And I was like, that just feels weird, but it feels nice because it's like, wow, like, you know, if you, if you, your whole life, you wanted to make like call it a million dollars and then you make two and then it's like, damn, my whole life I wanted to make a million dollars and now I have two. Uh, and you're call it, say you're 25, right? Well, damn, now you're 25, what's your next, you know, you're like, shit, do I just enjoy it or do I, who am I now for the rest of my life? There's, there's a question mark. You got to figure that out. Um, and so I'm, I've been having that kind of question mark, which is, but like, while still working, I'm just like sitting around trying to figure out that out. I'm like, huh, all right, cool. Now there's like different goals. And I don't know, like, do I want to be someone that has a high stress and works until I'm 60? And just because I want to make a ton of money and try to be a quote billionaire or something, maybe, but, or do I just want to get to a certain amount and then just like hire someone to manage all for me and take like, 
half a million in dividends and interest and and gains from other places and passive income that pays me from cash flowing businesses and just sit around and like, enjoy my life with my family and friends like that doesn't sound bad either it just depends on like who you are and it's like i don't know who that person i don't know which of those people i am yet and i'm at that point that i'm like hmm, maybe i'm gonna find out soon <laughs> um yeah. so i was gonna ask you what do you think the antidote is but you're saying you're still going through this my question to you is then a bit different do you think there is an antidote to it to this situation or is it just part of the process because you said you also accept it so maybe it is the kind of challenge you hit you have to hit what do you believe is it, it will be an antidote or is it just part of it i think it's just part of it and, and everyone's going to have a different point where they're like they're they're done right like i think right we're, everyone some people it's just forever right like you look at like warren buffett or bill gates or like you know like mark zuckerberg or evan spiegel it's like these guys can why would they not just hire a new ceo and just literally disappear and do whatever the hell they want for the rest of their life i know for me that if that number is a billion and i have that and i'm like younger than 40, I don't think I'm ever going to be on the internet ever again a day of my life. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. But then fast forward, if that were to be true, maybe you'd be jumping into the next thing on how to get to 5 billion. And then that's maybe that's a curse. Whereas some people were like, nope, absolutely. I do not want the stress of ever like having more than a certain amount because that just seems like now you just have too many people relying on you and you are like a business at that point. And you have like a whole network of estate managers and assistants and people who take care of your homes and investments and it's like that's tough so who knows right i think people are different and uh for me i'm, I'm still trying to figure it out but it's still full steam ahead so for now at least i'm not i'm not sitting back well keep on going i'm enjoying yeah, it no, cool. I know what... i'm only 32 so it's all good yeah okay very nice segue that you mentioned your age because this next thing I want to touch upon is about being young and having the i'll let you define it whether it's success or not and i'm sure you've already done it for yourself but in conventional terms success um i want to balance that with what you said earlier which is uh in the early stages looking for more instant returns and then you compare that you contrast that to SaaS, where it might take you a few years until it's really the ball gets rolling um i'm i'm 24 i'm sometimes in my not in, when I'm not in, at my best, I'm sometimes in a hurry. And then I become aware, I'm like, what am I hurrying? What's the hurry up for? But I want to ask you about this. Have you, first of all, have you been through any moments like this where you feel like you're hurrying yourself up to reach this persona, this goal, this whatever? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I made some like phenomenal bets on some companies uh, in the stock market. And I think anybody, it wasn't like you have to be a genius. I just, I was building on Shopify. We were building an SMS marketing app. So we knew we were building on Twilio. We we're all obviously using like Amazon. Uh, and I was aware of like Nvidia and AMD. So I put, you know, and I bought a Tesla. So I had bought like Shopify at 80 bucks and Tesla at like pre stock, uh, stock split at like a hundred bucks and AMD at $8 and Amazon at seven or 800. Right. So talking about stocks that well, not Amazon, but Shopify specifically went up about 1500%. And so did Tesla, but because I had put in, you know, a fair amount of money for me, it was, it was a lot. It was like 150 grand and which was like all of my savings probably at the time. And I put all that into the market in a, in a year I was up 200% on like Shopify and, and Tesla. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a genius. I sold all the stock 
because one, I thought I like needed the money. I was reinvesting time into building a business, not paying myself a profit. And I thought I was like, so super smart. I'm like, hell yeah, I can, you know, buy this or do that or, you know, whatever. Then I fast forward two years, those stocks went up a thousand percent since the 200% since I sold. And if I had just waited and not sold and bought like a dumb car or bought something that made me feel good that I didn't need more expensive clothes, whatever, I would have made millions of dollars. But I lost out because of the way that like I looked at like, oh my God, these quick, you know, 300K in returns in a year. And I want to go buy these expensive shoes and this, you know, this watch and this or whatever. And that was a dumb decision. And if I could change it, I would have been like, wow, I wish I wasn't focusing on those stupid like things that kind of like, not not like just fed my ego because they're sure they're, I like them. There's nice things and whatever. But like, if I had not been that way and not thought that way, I would have made millions of dollars on these stocks because of how high they went. And I wouldn't, you know, it was just a immature mindset, but also like there's nothing wrong with taking profits. It was just, I was investing that money for the long term, not one year. And even since then, there are some stocks in that portfolio that I haven't sold because I started paying myself for my business. But I look back and I'm like, wow, if I had never sold all those, I would be in a much different, you know, situation in life. <laughs> um, that makes sense. Now I think about that a lot when I'm investing. I'm like, am I, are you trading stocks and getting and checking your stocks every hour? Or are you setting the money and like, you're like, cool, I'm 24 and I'm going to like take this out when I'm 35 or 40. You know, at that point, you don't care what happens on the day, the day to day, the weekly, the monthly, even the, yeah, there might be some reason if there's a recession or a huge economic thing going that you might want to take some out so you can put some back in at a cheaper price. But like, that's just the mentality I think of like investing versus faster returns. Um, so that was the main, that was the main mistake that I can think of where I was very impatient. Okay. So the thing I, I need to reconsider, the thing I, I want to, I need, I think I need to balance or every young person needs to balance is the fact that you have these, you have this vision or you have these goals and aspirations and clearly you're a creative person. I mean, you've created a couple of things, so you have that no doubt. Um, but then you need to be there in real life as well. And as you said, some stuff needs a few more years to mature, especially when you're at a more advanced level where you kind of only have that option. I mean, you can still do the instant things or the quick quick uh cash i'm not it's not a good word but the quick returns thing but that you know that's not going to accrue value in the long run yeah. so how do you balance that thing where let's say you're at 25 27 28 and you're at this level which is advanced for your age but you need to draw the balance between um am i placing this bet for the next years for the next decades just like you've given this example with the stock exchange investments or am i living life a little bit but obviously this opens up discussion about lifestyle, but let's just call it with your experience with the lifestyle you've had, because you, you weren't, you were enjoying life at least a tiny bit. You weren't going overboard. I get this sense, but you also weren't like still living in a cave or something, even though you were making these grand, these amounts. So how do you balance that thing? Um, in well, I mean, I had a roommate in Los Angeles for pretty much the whole time I was there for like eight years. It's all right. It was like, just way more affordable and because of like being at a younger age and going out it's like cool if you have a place that's like call it three thousand dollars a month and you're splitting it 1500 bucks isn't really too bad um so yeah i mean in los angeles wait sorry i think that the question was about balancing money 
Yeah, so this and, is a great example because you're young and you're being you said being young and balancing money. You're, that was a question. Yeah, so that take into account the ambition as well. And this is a great example because you could have lived by yourself for 1500 2000. I mean, I don't know price in LA or even three yeah, grand. Probably, probably would have been a little almost the same for a one bedroom as a two bedroom, which is kind of crazy. Okay, uh, so you knew you had that option, but you drew the line. You said, I'm still going to rent with somebody else, even though I can live by myself. But and that paid off more in the long run. Right. So I think, okay, so sorry, now I, 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 get, I get the question. So I think also it depends on like how you want to spend your time too. So if you say you do consulting and you charge $100 an hour and you book what you're up from, like you have eight hours a day that you can do consulting. And then the rest of the time you got to eat, you got to maybe take care of your animal or kid or yourself, exercise, yada, 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 whatever else, errands. Like you have a maybe eight hours a day. So that's 800 bucks, right? You do the math of how much you can do after, after a month. Like, yeah, maybe you can make 20, 30 K a month. If you're working all the time, hundred dollars an hour, fully booked up. But what if you want like your time back when you want your time back, you make less money. So I think like, do you, you can do a lot of those things quickly to make cash flow and make more money. But if you want to spend money, like you want to make money and also have your time back, that's that's the goal, right? Is to make money and get your time back, which is why I think software is way better than a service business. And um, doing things like an agency or consulting is a good way to make some quick money if you need it and or want it. <laughs> but if you're focused on building a business and value that you can kind of build it one, I think the guy on Jack Butcher on Twitter is like build once, sell twice, but it's just like, yeah, you are build one, sell forever. Like you just build if you build software that's good sure there's maintenance but with SaaS, it's like you don't have to be constantly spending eight hours a day you could be spending three hours a day on marketing an hour a day on support and product road mapping with your engineering team and then you have four hours a day to do whatever you want because you've bought that time and built a system so i think that's the difference also between like what what can i do right now to make money and what can i build to make money over time that will eventually return money and return my time um, but software is like one of the few things that, that does that outside of, if you just build a business of other people who do all the service for you, which you could be like delegating, you know, a service business as an agency or whatever, as the manager or owner. That makes sense. Okay, cool. Let me tap a bit more into your psyche because the reason why I'm asking all these questions is I get that they're, they're very, um, um, what's the word primitive, like they, they tap into the, the, uh, what we we already get from society like oh you should be doing this you should be doing that but i feel like until you internalize those things fully you you don't really i mean you can be following them but if you really internalize them you'll be able to answer to yourself these questions so that's why i'm coming with them you've also talked about not wanting to be famous and you've touched upon this in in another podcast and at the same time you have this number of followers on twitter and it it happened to you so once again, I'm asking as somebody who's had those things young, and I feel like you're still young. Um, what makes you get to this opinion? On the other side, many people want to become famous uh, for different reasons. And you've had your fair share of fame, so to speak, or I guess online presence. But then you said, you know what? I don't want any of these. I feel like you've went through an explanation about why you've deleted your Instagram and why you've toned it down on Twitter in terms of aiming to grow. What gives, what made you switch to that side? Cause I feel like there's wisdom enclosed within 
I mean, I think when you're young, at least as a guy growing up, like I use MySpace and there's nothing wrong with like chatting with attractive girls online or seeing cool pictures of houses or travel or art or or cars or or, or whatever you like, right? Graphics, it's just uh, memes. So I think like at the beginning, like on MySpace, I had a lot of a lot of friends. I spent a lot of time on that website, right? And so going from that as a kid at like 15, 16, and then to now kind of being around in Los Angeles, around of famous musicians and like having people stalk them and going to their homes and making them feel very unsafe. And just like, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like something that obviously like being a tech person, you're, unless you're like Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg, no one's going to really know you like that. Um, but, you know, I think having an online voice doesn't generally hurt you, but if you're too, quote, famous or known or visible, like, you could put yourself in a, an unsafe situation and make yourself almost like a target. Um, not that maybe, and maybe you have no reason to, and someone just has a false perspective of who they think you are because of your online following, right? Like, a lot of people think that these, like, quote, Instagram pe famous people have, like, tons of money and tons of stuff and sometimes the truth is that they're living in apartments with roommates and they don't have that much stuff they just have a lot of followers uh and they might have a nice like kind of perceived lifestyle and life on their instagram and twitter because that's what they share because isn't that what you share is like kind of highlights of things that are exciting to you so at the same time it almost it becomes like a you don't want to become this like it's like a fake person I don't know. I just don't want to get too deep in that. So, and I, and I share pictures of like my house and things like that. And not that I'm concerned about people like coming to where I live, because I'm happy to, and, you know, meet up with entrepreneurs. And if I feel like they're nice, like, come on, let's come to my house and barbecue with some friends or, you know, like have a drink or like swim or whatever, hang out in the yard, play, play football or something. But I think, uh, you know, there are some people who are like, whoa, you shouldn't put all that on the internet. Some people might not you know, that that's not unsit, you know, you could have someone come to your place and, you know, this and that, something, and they're not wrong. So I think in the future, more people as they get older might want to protect their, their sort of identity and, and a little bit more. Uh, and you can look at the crypto like community a lot. There's like a lot of the OG Bitcoin guys are very anonymous online and they don't like to quote dox themselves. And it's like, I've already lost that privilege because I've, because I put that out that I put it all out there. Right. But um, not that I can take it back, but I want to like, as I get older, I think have a little bit more privacy, especially if I ever have children and stuff like that. So, um, but I think, again, I like shitposting on Twitter and I definitely want the benefits of, of having some way to one, hopefully learn from other people by, by sharing things that are wrong or hopefully teach people by sharing some things that are right. Yeah. I've seen you posted about, for the people listening who might have not seen it you posted that video of a random guy who kept going to your backyard and then through another neighbor's house that was crazy dude yeah well i live in a busy area in downtown austin or like right out of the downtown and walking distance from downtown and so there are a lot of call like vagrant homeless people kind of roaming around but this was actually one of my neighbors who just had a unfortunately has a drug problem and he was trying to get into my house at night with like a metal tool uh thankfully he didn't get in and i was home too so uh yeah. but yeah it was it's been a little bit uncomfortable being in a high traffic neighborhood did it end all right because i was seeing it on phone i was thinking mate are you okay because it, it, it looked like you were safe obviously you were posting but it didn't feel fully safe yeah 
the cops have come since then to like to his house. I think there's like a warrant on his door. So I'm not super Shit. concerned, especially because if he has a drug problem, he's probably less aware than me. And I have video cameras and guns and stuff. So I'm not too concerned. That makes sense. On the same topic, which is still quite related. So this thing about balancing, not wanting to be famous. The last sort of uh, primitive question, although that's not that primitive, is about you moving out of LA. And we've briefly talked about this before. But um, I'm curious to know, uh, opening up to the audience as well, you've moved from LA to Austin at one point, And it was a decision you've made because of where you were in your life and etc. Um, is it more of a gut feeling more than anything else, uh, decision? I think, well, for me, it was something that changed and I had a, like my first death in the family. My, my family's all from Norway and my, my grandma, and my grandpa live in Norway still. And my grandma passed away, but it was weird. So like on a specific date in January, I think it was like the 19th of January. One day I was like, you know what? I only see my grandparents like once every year, maybe every other year. And they're in like call it 70 or 80. Like there's no way they're gonna live for like more than 10 or 20 more years. So let's say I'll see them like eight to 10 more times. And so I just randomly flew to Norway on like a one day notice and just went to go spend a week with my grandparents. And then a year later, exactly to the day, I'm back in Norway for my grandma's funeral. Um, so I only got to see her one time since I had that like thinking about on my hands, I'm going to see how many more times I'm going to see my grandparents. Like, that's awful. I don't want to be able to count how many times. That's like, call it how many hours times this many days. It's like nothing. Yeah. And so I, yeah, my grandma died one, like exactly to the date a year later. And so when that happened, I was like, you know what? I don't really want that, that statistic to be the same case with my mom and my, uh, the rest of my family and my, my grandpa. And so it made a lot of sense that I just changed that. I'm like, you know what, what's important to me now that I get older and that I, that this happened like almost exactly as I sort of envisioned it or almost felt a little prematurely a year before when I flew there was that like family was, is really important. And I've been like in LA chasing my dreams for nine years. And granted it was a great place and I had a lot of fun and I figured out a lot of stuff and made a great network and whatever else. But at the end of the day, like that stuff will always be there, but your family might not be. And so to me, it just kind of was a wake up call. And I'm like, I care more about being close to my family than I care about being in LA. And so when I, my family all moved to Austin and my business partner and live recover moved to Austin from New York and he was in LA before. And so it all just kind of made sense. I'm like, why would I not? And you know, if we were going to sell the business and, and potentially save on, on taxes, right. It would be 10% savings on, on, on a lot of money. Right. So that 10% when we sold the business was a lot. And so it ended up being everything ended up working out the way that it had you know, wanted. And maybe if I had not moved that I wouldn't have been able to be as focused on just live recovery because it would have been other distractions in LA or whatever else. Right. So it kind of felt like just a, a growing up phase and sort of a reprioritization of, of what was important, uh, important at the time. So these things triggered the move. Have you ever at any point while you were in LA thought about moving out? Or was it always, because again, back to balancing, you, we're all aware you could live in a very low cost of living place and save up all that money. But then again, it's not only about that. We know the advantages of being in a, in a big city and, and et cetera. So ever had any feeling about it or were you always like, this is where I'm at, this is where it's at? I was, no, I was in LA for so long. And after a while, I mean, nine years. So from 21 till about 30. And I, by the time I was like 28, I'm like, you know what? 
I'm kind of getting over this. You know, it's been fun. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to make silly videos on YouTube. I don't care about this. I sold all my Twitter meme pages, which were like 10, 12 million followers. I just cared about like building stuff that was worth, like, again, it was like leveling up. I didn't want to just make like 150, 200K a year and like do this or do that. I wanted to like build something bigger. And in LA, it just seemed like it's such a fun place. And a lot of people either have like family's money or there's like a celebrity or someone who makes money by being like a, a, an entertainer or whatever. And then like, they just, you're all celebrating their wins instead of going out and chasing your own dreams and building your wins. And so a lot of people there are kind of like not really doing much. They're just like hanging out with other people who have done something. And I just like, didn't want to be that person who's like, Oh yeah, this is so cool. I'm hanging out at this person's house. Oh, I'm at this person's house. It's like, fuck that. I want to, I want people to be hanging out at my house or I want to be hanging out at my house. And so uh, I just kind of put on blinders and was like, I don't really care. Like I'm not impressed by, by any of the, the sort of like culture here anymore. And so the, my grandma was just an unfortunate, like tipping point where it was like, okay, this is it. But it was definitely like some time before I was ready for, ready for growth. I just wasn't sure if I wanted to go back to Texas or if I was like, it felt like I was going home with my tail between my legs in a way. Like, man, I didn't, I didn't come like strike gold in California and, and, you know, come home with like all these riches. It was like, I was coming home, still chasing a new dream, just much older. Um, but then thankfully, you know, we were, uh, we were privileged enough to have things work out. And was it that you, quote unquote, making it is, I hate using these words. Just the, you, yeah, it sounds cheesy. I just mean hitting my goal, like, and having yeah. some kind of meaningful exit. Was it Definitely. that you doing I, that? I it. Was it that you doing that in LA wasn't that much of an option because you weren't going to make it in entertainment, entertaining, uh, sorry, entertainment and all these things. And perhaps LA isn't the place for tech entrepreneurship or. No, it's, it certainly is. I mean, we started Live Recover in LA and it was beneficial because I, got all these brands that I was friends with the founders who lived in LA. I could go to their office. I mean, I thought when moving, I was like, man, I'm going to, it's going to be really hard. I'm not going to be, have access to any of these people and I'm going to lose all my network and this and that. None of that was true. Thankfully in the age of 2021 or 2019, 2020, 2022, like we're all connected on the internet and social media more than ever. And thankfully to your point about having like some audience on Twitter, I can still connect with tons of these people by just, talking to them online and sharing online. And so I didn't lose any network, but that was a huge thing about not wanting to leave was like, man, I'm going to lose all this, this, this thing that I've built here for myself, which was just a network of people. But those people, believe it or not, they come to Austin, they go to New York, they go to Miami, they travel. And once you're doing things, people generally want to gravitate towards people who are or not people only, but people and products and businesses that are, that are impacting others. Right. So, we had, you know, a lot of merchants and we generated, you know, probably 100 million, 150 million plus in attributed revenue over SMS in a few years. It's like we did a lot for a lot of brands and they said a lot of nice things about us. And so I didn't have to be in L.A. to take advantage of of kind of like wanting to still keep in touch and, and kind of grow our business. It was, you know, it kind of happened, thankfully, or organically by doing <laughs> doing good work. Well, that's refreshing to know that you can make such a jump without you know, losing it all or losing, you said anything at all. That's, that, that's refreshing to know for anybody that might be considering something like this. Uh, by the way, do you have to go? Cause we booked for some time, but we already passed that, but I want to be respectful of your time. Yeah. I think we can go with like 10 more minutes. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's see. We've talked about all these things like, 
primitive things, as I said, we talked about money, goals, etc., etc. Tell me more about about your life. Um, what's what's uh, exciting you these days, or like, what's the last thing you've you've thought of that made you made you feel super inspired? Um, I mean, right now the the inspiration is still kind of focused in two two sort of like sides of the field. One is work, and one is like personal. Right. So like with work, the inspiration is still Shopify apps. How can I get to like, you know, I have a goal of maybe like a $50 million exit. Um, and I think that that I haven't started that journey, right. I'm going to have to buy and build some apps and have a portfolio and sell those. Um, so I'm really inspired about the process of, of like finding deal flow for those apps of, of raising the money for those apps of buying and building the portfolio of those call it five or six apps. Um, and then on a personal side, I'm like, definitely inspired about buying and building some, some small little ranch house on some land, definitely inspired about, you know, running, hopefully a marathon soon. I injured my knee earlier this year, running a a half, like a, my third half marathon, but, um, I'm inspired about, you know, just running more. I'm really excited for kind of COVID easing up and hopefully travel getting back. Cause I'd love to go visit my grandpa in Norway, even though he's here right now in Austin, but uh, I want to fly back with him in Maine, spend some time in Norway and, um, so, you know, just excited for, for a lot of that stuff. Like it's kind of, again, basic cause it's just repetitive about what I've been doing for the last call it four years. Um, but you know, when you get rewarded, I guess it's just like a psychology. I'm going to keep doing it when it keeps feeding me. So is the, is the, uh, what I'm about to pick is the least relevant thing for the podcast, but I'm really concerned about your knee. What happened there? Cause I, <laughs> so- I, I don't know you were running. Is, is it, I hope it's nothing permanent or anything like that. I don't know. So I, basically there's a, it was a downtown, a downhill race, which most of the the one race here, the, the Austin marathon is very hilly, like lots of uphill, which is, which is hard. Um, but this was all downhill half marathon and it was basically, yeah, the whole thing was downhill. And for whatever reason, after like three or four miles, my leg felt weird. And at the very end, I couldn't walk. Uh, and when I got home, I couldn't walk for like maybe a week. And then I just, yeah, I have like a lot of, I have potentially a torn meniscus and a torn MCL. Um, and then because of like certain parts of my leg got so sore, my IT bands were so tight and like sore that I couldn't like use my hips very well. And then because I haven't been exercising, my muscles are getting like having, are being atrophied or whatever and getting smaller because I'm not using them as much. So it's like this whole, uh, it's, it's very annoying. Yeah. But I don't want surgery because it's a very light tear. And so you can usually avoid surgery by not getting, by like taking it easy for like six to eight weeks. And it's been about eight weeks and I've been riding the bike like 10 or 15 minutes a day, but that's not the same as going on a two hour run. So how is it holding up? Is it, does it show any signs of it getting any better? Yeah. I mean, I'm biking every 10 or 15 minutes a day, but like, I, I, I can't do like a, okay, I don't so think that's I'm, really yeah, good. I don't, I don't want to push it yet. And my mom, I'm doing a PT. My mom's a, like a therapist. And so I'm doing some, uh, I need to get more strength training in my legs to get big, bigger muscles to support my knees a little bit better in the future. That makes sense. Uh, fingers crossed that it will get yeah. it will get all back together because uh, I know it can be a bit of a pain and it's like I've seen people who had running taken away from them or like this is with you mentally too. It's honestly not like, it makes me feel like a like a slump and like when I run afterwards, it's like I'm like so clear headed and ready to take on anything. And now I just kind of felt like. It's like the difference between eating clean and eating a bunch of garbage. It's so weird. Yeah. It's, uh, but now really you can only eat garbage because you have to you have to rest yeah. for a bit. And I, I know it takes on people's uh, uh, mental health 
even not just yeah. their mood their overall yeah. mental health yeah exercise is key for sure i still walk like at least you know three and a half miles a day and get a bunch of sunshine because it and and bike but it's it's still not enough i need more yeah 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 it's true i've seen yeah walking although better than nothing not the same as running i feel like it's because of that oxygen intake that's within your i yeah. feel like that's the biological explanation behind the what do they call it runner's high yeah yeah just yeah, your, your heart rate your, it's, it's great for you i mean it's like the best thing for cardiovascular health i think some doctor was like uh some joe rogan i not to get all crazy about joe rogan but he had some doctor on that's that's pretty smart and he was uh talking about how like yeah you know like i'd rather have somebody who was 70 and could run like a half marathon that that smoked than someone who was 40 who always smoked and couldn't run ever it was like I'd rather you be a smoker and a drinker who can go run hard than mm -hmm. someone who is young and smokes and drinks and doesn't run because your heart is so dependent on that like cardiovascular activity and health. Um, you almost like, you know, it's like you're, yeah, you're adding more age to yourself by doing those things like drinking and smoking, but you're also reversing a lot of it by, by constantly keeping your heart in shape. It's like work hard, play hard for your heart. Like for it's, sure. going, it's going for all that stuff, but it's also balancing it out. Um, okay, Dennis, felt like we could talk for uh, an extra few hours, like feel like this could go on forever. But as I said, I want to be respectful of your time. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to join and be so honestly, be so honest about it. Uh, I need to point that out and, and transparent. Uh, my last question to you is for the people listening, where can they follow uh, you with everything you're doing? How they can how can they support you and keep up with you? Um, yeah, I mean, the only support I guess would be like, follow me on Twitter at Dennis Hegstad. And then, uh, honestly, the opposite, I'd be more interested in supporting other people if they're looking for, you know, potentially some funding or strategic advisement. Like, um, it's, it's a meme name, but I have a small fund called fake.vc and we're writing checks, uh, at like an angel, angel round, but, or angel size in terms of like, call it the max is like a 50 K check, but value that we're providing is not really the money it's the money and hopefully some influence and, and advisement advisement into your business but yeah uh dennis and just fake bc cool i'll link i'll link your twitter in the description of this link so people can have it easy and follow you there and message you there if if they want to get in touch um yeah. i'll stop the recording in a second thank you so so much any anything else to add anything we haven't touched upon no, I would say at least one thing with Shopify, because I see a lot of people who are getting into it. And this is just like, if anybody is specifically trying to make a business in the Shopify ecosystem, I would think about building a good brand as a Shopify app, not like the equivalent of a drop shipping store. Uh, it's too late in the ecosystem to build something low quality. So if you're coming into the Shopify app ecosystem, build something awesome. <laughs> That's it. That's it then. Dennis, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you.